welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week six in the Sun Belt. It's here. Sunbelt Conference play began last weekend and provided plenty of exciting games, including James Madison's statement win over South Alabama. Plus, Georgia Southern and Texas State turned in big performances while Marshall stayed undefeated. Week 6, Caden, it's a shorter slate, but it'll still provide plenty of entertainment. We can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our latest episode we welcomed our latest Sunbelt athlete onto the Prairie and Smith podcast, App State kicker Michael Hughes. He was the first specialist to ever join us on the show. If you missed it or any of our previous interviews for some of the league's biggest stars, you're going to want to go back and give them a listen. Today on episode 125 of the show, it's time for our week six preview presented by Lafayette Travel. We're excited to preview our game of the week between Louisiana and Texas State. We'll break down Marshall's chances at a second Power 5 win this season. Plus, we're going to take a look at all of the remaining three Sunbelt Conference games taking place on Saturday and make our picks. Caden, last weekend, conference's opening weekend, it didn't disappoint. We've got another strong slate this week. What are you looking forward to? I'm really looking forward, Noah, to see if these teams in this conference can keep up their offensive pace. I think we saw some amazing fireworks from a lot of teams last week. We'll see them this week perform again. And really, I think a lot of these teams as well, I know it's early in the season, have kind of put themselves in some must-win scenarios. So I'm really curious to see how some of those teams act this week coming off of maybe multiple losses, maybe already finding themselves down in the conference rankings as far as their wins and losses. So really curious just to see, one, if these teams can keep up this amazing offensive pace we've seen, and two, really see some teams that have their back against the wall. How do they compete? How do they respond in their second week of conference play? Yeah, Kane, it's definitely interesting. You can't uh, win a conference championship in the month of October, but you can certainly make your case uh, a lot stronger Caden, we started a trend, and I think we're going to go ahead and stick with it. Uh, last week on the, the preview episode, we talked about our power rankings, and uh, we had a lot of fun. We heard some good comments, so we're going to stick with it here. Caden, uh, I got to admit, we, we had less people in our mentions this week, and I have to think that's probably because we did a better job, at, at least in some ba- fan base's eyes. Yeah, again, people will never get to look back behind the curtain and see me and Noah's process for these rankings. But I will say out of all of the rankings we've done on a weekly basis, this is definitely the most agreeable one we've had. I think just looking at non-conference play, it's a little bit harder to stack these teams up against each other. But now pairing that with seeing them play each other, I think kind of made our list. Not going to say bulletproof, but it's definitely probably the best out there if you're trying to look at a power ranking for this conference. So shout out to our mentions for being a little bit quieter. Maybe we did something a little bit better and maybe next week and hopefully this week of action might give us some more controversy and hot takes with our rankings. Well, Caden, as we start this conversation, we're not going to take too much time here, but uh, it's kind of interesting. I feel like you have some different groupings. You kind of have the, you know, the early favorites maybe in the league. You have some of those top contenders. You have teams that maybe you're dubbing as contenders, and then you maybe have the bottom four. Uh, Talk about those early favorites, those top three, the the James Madisons, the Marshalls, the Troy right now, people who maybe we think are kind of the early favorites to win the Sunbelt Championship this year. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when kind of talking about some of these groupings I've been thinking about. I think it's pretty clear that a lot of these teams have a lot in common, and that's why they're ranked around the same area, starting with the top. I mean, when you look at James Madison, Marshall, and Troy, I think to me that's unequivocally the top three of the conference. I think all three of those teams had either eight, nine, or 12 wins last season. I think some people need to be reminded that Troy won 12 games last year, won the conference title, and their offense looks even better. But all these teams are coming off of impressive wins. Marshall's not as impressive as the past, but they also 
But all of these teams as well have one unit that you should be very afraid of. And all of those teams unit is their defense. I mean, you look at the defense of all three of these teams and they are a championship defense and they've won these teams games both in the past and this year. And I think that's what really makes them favorites. And I think just some, I know JMU has a bye week, so we're not going to talk about JMU in this episode, but going into their bye week, JMU is holding opponents to 38 rushing yards per game right now. That's number one in the nation. And I think a more impressive stat is they've only allowed 192 yards total on the ground this entire season. That's only, Miami's only beating them by one yard. They played Bethune-Cookman this year. That probably helps a little bit, but I think the defensive dominance of that JMU team is the top of the conference. It's the best unit. That's what's carrying them right now. And I think the other two teams behind them as well also have that kind of pedigree and also showed that pedigree last season, and they're showing it again this season. So I think that's why they're the favorites. Jamie also leads the nation with 23 sacks here, which is crazy. So I think all these units have an offense that's good, not the scariest thing in the world, but a defense that scares you and a pedigree and a culture really that scares you probably more than anything. Caden, right below those top three sitting at four and five, we've got Texas State and Georgia Southern, and they've had electric offenses this year and probably been, they were dark horses in the offseason. They've delivered here early on. Just some thoughts on Texas State and Georgia Southern right now. Yeah, for the top the top favorites of this conference, just as scared as you would be about their defense, you'd be just as scared about the two offenses of these teams. I think both of these teams have one loss for a reason. They have great records coming into the year. And I think the only difference really between the two of them is one got just kind of destroyed by their power five or kind of destroyed rather their power five opponent hung, hanging up 42 points on them on the road in their opener with an entirely new roster and staff with Texas State, which is impressive. And the other team, unfortunately, went on the road in their game against a power five opponent had six turnovers and kind of disappointed there. So I think that's really the only difference as far as resumes go, but both of these teams in the past, were they impressive? Did they wow you with some of the stuff they've done in recent history? No, but just given how hot of a start they've gotten off to this season, I think you can put some of that behind and really look forward at what they've done this year and kind of see it translating throughout the entire season. So I think that's what makes them too easily the top contenders that are kind of above some of the teams we're going to mention here coming up and below the teams that we talked about before that are those top favorites. Yeah, 6 through 10, Caden, real quickly. Georgia State, App State, South Alabama, Coastal Carolina. We've got Louisiana at 10. Maybe that was the only one that we heard a little bit on Twitter from uh, this week. But, Caden, each one of those teams, I think, has a chance to be in the conversation to win a Sun Belt championship, but maybe they each have uh, some, some flaws in certain areas. Yeah, definitely 6 between 9 or 10, depending how you feel about Louisiana, is definitely worthy of still being known as contenders heading into conference play. But no matter how you feel about any of these teams, something is true about all of them. They either all have a roster or previous championship pedigree, a quarterback, or a combination of all of those things that make you feel good. But they've also had highs and lows this season. And I feel like for all these teams, all their fan bases now are kind of asking can they reach their full potential when they face each other and all the teams above them in these rankings? So I think they're all in a very similar position, all have the ability and maybe have even shown the ability in the past to be a championship team, but just haven't shown it as consistently throughout the season so far. Okay, and that bottom, bottom grouping, Arkansas State, ULM, Old Dominion, Southern Miss in our eyes, which one of those teams do you think is the most likely to pull a big upset this year? I think you just have to go with Arkansas State right now with the way Jalen Rayner has kind of risen and kind of given this team some new life. I think when you look at these bottom four teams, they've all shown us, unfortunately, more bad than good. Some of them are trending upward like an Arkansas State. Some of them are trending downward like a Southern Miss. But at the end of the day, really, if you look at their schedule and what they've done this year, I don't think any of these teams are necessarily competing for a championship. I could be wrong, but I think ultimately they're all competing for a bowl game, kind of impeding 
competing for general improvement, whether it's from last year or throughout this season. So they're just in a different space right now, I think, than all of the teams that are above them. Well, as promised, we're going to be previewing all of the matchups in a can't-miss week six of Sunbelt football. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing each of this weekend's matchups in the Sun Belt. And, Caden, let's start with our game of the week, Louisiana versus Texas State. This game at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN2. Friend of the podcast, Roddy Jones, is going to be on the call alongside Roy Philpott in this one. Texas State, Caden, enters this game off to their best start in 18 years. They're 4-1. and one. Louisiana, though, is a perfect 10-0 all-time versus Texas State. They're a perfect 5-0 at Cajun Field. We're going to see two of the top three scoring offenses. Caden, when you look at this matchup, this game is a big early marker in that West Division title race. You have a Texas State win kind of gives them an early lead in the division, gives them a lot of momentum heading into that Troy game in a couple weeks. If UL wins, they're back to 500, and suddenly the playing field is remarkably even. Caden, championships, as I said earlier, they're not won in October, but winning these games helps. It definitely does, Noah. And I think when we look at this conference and how competitive it is, just talking about the power rankings and seeing like there's not a lot of separation between a lot of these teams, every win in conference play is going to matter. Whichever team can play the most complete season from now to the end of the year is going to be the most relevant and they're going to have the most momentum heading into conference play. It's not going to be one of those years where a bunch of teams are going to stub their toe early and kind of stumble into it. It's going to be about most important balls played in November, but who really built up their resume and got in the conference standings the right way early in the season? When you look at Texas State, that just makes them a, this a huge game for them. They've passed just about every test you'd want to pass right now, given their circumstances as far as being a new team, proving you're not who you were last year. And now they have the chance to really create some separation in their division just because after this, they play ULM, a team that we don't really have high hopes for. And then they play and host Troy. And mind you, this team has quietly been excellent on the road. They have two They've had two home games that were easily their worst competition, but then the rest of their season they played on the road and they played great. And I think looking after this game, if they can win it, they have three games back-to-back-to-back in San Marcos, and I think that would be huge for them as far as coming into those games as an undefeated team in the conference. And I think for Louisiana, they stubbed their toe against Old Dominion. We don't know what to call it yet just because Old Dominion is a little confusing, but this game not only gets them to 500 in the division, but most importantly brings Texas State down to 500 along with Troy in the West. So I think that would really open things up. And I think as far as a coach goes, if your coach does and you win this game, now you can tell your team, hey, we control our own destiny from here. If we went out, if we take care of business, we're right there with every other team in our division. I don't know if that's his approach or not, but I think that would just make things easier mentally for this team with a new quarterback getting momentum going into more conference play. Leave it to an App State fan to sleep on ULM uh, in your breakdown there for Texas State. But, Caden, uh, this game is an incredible quarterback matchup. You have a couple of Louisiana kids. TJ Finley, you know, his story well known. He went to Ponchatoula High School. Zion Chris went to Madison Prep. Those schools separated by about an hour. Caden, TJ Finley is perhaps, in my mind, the early offensive player of the year favorite right now. 73% completion, nearly 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns through the air to just one interception, and oh wait, he's run for three more. Zeon Chris, though, Caden, might be my early pick as freshman of the year. He has you know a strong start to his career, 855 yards of total offense and eight touchdowns in his first three games, making up two starts. Caden, how much fun is this going to be? 
This is definitely an amazing quarterback matchup and one we just did not, we could not have forecasted coming into the season. These aren't even the two guys we've been talking about in the offseason that we're going to start in this game, but here we are, and they're a big reason why this is the game of the week for us. We'll go age before beauty, no offense to TJ, but we'll start with him when we're talking about these quarterbacks. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Given this is the most important position in the sport, this is valuable information for the people listening. TJ Finley is the most talented quarterback in the Sun Belt. He's a big body. He's an SEC body. And he can make all the throws with his NFL size and style of arm. And he's playing the best football of his life and arguably the best football in the conference when you really look at his unreal efficiency that he's putting on top of his talent. 72% completion percentage is the best in the conference. It's just a jaw-dropping stat. His 1,400 yards in the air only behind Davis Brin. His 181 passer rating is insane. 10 yards per pass attempt is insane. And those are both only behind Jalen Rayner, who's just been lighting things up in two weeks of play. So TJ's really been lighting it up this entire season. 10 touchdown passes is fun too. So I think as far as quarterbacks you should be scared of in this conference, there's no one scarier than TJ Finley, in my opinion. And on the other side, Zion Chris has also been impressive in his three starts and has really taken command of this offense and really given it a new identity. I think he fits it like an absolute glove. He gets a ton of help from his running game, which is the best rushing offense in the conference right now. He contributes to that run game himself as well. And I think as an elite player, he's just shown that he can do it all, whether it's a scheduled run or an unscheduled run outside of the pocket. I think he's the kind of player that makes your defense have to give more attention to him, have to have an extra hat on him. And I think that's a huge advantage in today's game of college football. He's making all the throws he has to inside of and outside of the pocket. This offense loves to throw a bunch of motions at defenses. And I think when you have those defenses moving around like that you have to be able to hit your receivers and your tight ends in stride when you catch the defense kind of off one step kind of delayed one step and he's been doing that all year so I think he does have to clean up the turnovers two interceptions in his last two games each but in a shootout game that this could be those turnovers might not matter as much and we really might get to see both of these quarterbacks kind of grip it rip it and just play in a great style of game and back and forth game. So just really excited about both of these quarterbacks, not only this season moving forward, but specifically in this matchup as two local kids just battling it out. Caden, as you look at the chessboard in this game, the biggest matchup for me is in the trenches. You've got Texas State's offensive line versus Louisiana's defensive line. Texas State, they've given up 12 sacks. That's 2.4 sacks per game, which is bottom third in the league this year. They're going to be facing a Louisiana team that's second only to James Madison with 19 sacks through five games. And they've got nine guys who have at least a half a sack this year. It feels like it's going to be a battle of wills in the trenches. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a key in this one. I think in the one game that we saw Texas State lose in this season, the biggest factor was the play of the offensive line and more specifically how the defensive line, the pass rush was able to impact TJ Finley. You mentioned Mentioned how many times he's been sacked this year. Seven of those sacks were in the game versus UTSA, and it definitely had a big impact on him as far as him not being as comfortable, him getting his timing off, which is crucial in this offense. And as a result, this team scored an uncharacteristic 13 points. And I think on the flip side of this, Louisiana has been known for their pass rushing abilities this season. Only JMU has more sacks than them in the Sun Belt. And Newsflash, JMU has more sacks than everyone in the country this season right now. So I think. Louisiana's 19 on the year is tied for fourth in the nation, which is crazy. So they're literally good at the tech, what could be the recipe to get towards this Texas State um, offense and their attack. Jordan Lawson is kind of the straw that stirs the drink right now from a defensive line standpoint from them. He has four sacks on the season. But the key to Louisiana's effective pass rush this year has been their blitzing schemes with their off-ball linebackers. This defense has three off-ball linebackers that have three sacks this year, one that has three and a half. 
And that's just unheard of. And that's because they're using a variety of different blitz packages. They're getting home on those blitzes. And if you want to just watch a highlight tape of how to blitz the quarterback, how to use different schemes and different stunts to get those guys open, watch UAB. You'll watch them get seven sacks in this game. So I think if they can do that and replicate that performance that we saw from UTSA, I think that's their best chance as far as slowing down this Texas State offense that we haven't seen really get slowed down much this year. Kate, and the other element to this matchup is the running back matchup, and it's the running back matchup we didn't know we needed before this season. You've got Madi for Texas State. You've got Kabodi for Louisiana. Really two of the biggest surprises in the Sun Belt this year. Not, they weren't on many people's radars, including ours in the preseason. Madi right now might be an early favorite for Offensive Player of the Year, 488 yards, 9.8 yards per carry right now, seven touchdowns in his 187 all-purpose yards per game actually leads the nation right now. Kabodi, on the other hand, 376 yards, 9.4 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. Kaden, why are these guys having big seasons? Yeah, first of all, you have to just give them a shout-out for emerging kind of out of the darkness and being as impactful as they've been. I know Madi is a transfer from Houston Christian that was a 1,000-yard rusher, and he's definitely proving he belongs and that he could translate that game to the Sun Belt. But I think... What jumps out to him, obviously, is his speed. It absolutely jumps off the page when you watch him play. He has numerous plays where he's running for a long time and people are chasing him for a long time and they're not catching up. I think he's established himself as one of the best playmakers in general in the conference this year. In my opinion, I think he's the best kickoff returner even in the conference. We saw that with some of his 100-yard yard touchdown. He scored some big returns for this team. So I think, in my opinion, he's kind of that guy that's that get-that-guy-in-space guy for an offense, and that's an invaluable weapon. And on the flip side, Kadobi, man, he's been having a fantastic, surprising year as well. I think Coach Dez mentioned him in our conversation as kind of a key piece or part of this running back room that we kind of forecasted being headlined by Draylon Washington. But with some injuries and him and the emergence of Zion Chris, they've been kind of carrying been carrying that workload. But this is a guy who's an SEC talent. He played at Texas A&M the first couple of years of his career. He's been absolutely punishing people all season through contact with his big body. And I think you have to give credit to that offensive line as well for creating lanes for him and getting him on the second level. I mean, 10 yards of carry is insane on 40 touches. And I think him getting to that second or third level because of those blocks has been key. He's been capitalizing on that. And I think he's the kind of guy where when you get when you have a running back playing like this, you just have to keep feeding him. Can UL a one-point favorite over under sitting at 67? How you lean on this matchup? Yeah, for this one, I have to go with Texas State. I think just specifically the way Texas State's been playing on the road this season, they've been unfazed by every environment they've been in, they've produced. And I think that when you look at them and their matchup at the quarterback position specifically, I'm just going to go with the experience of TJ Finley and what I've seen this year and what my eyes have shown me. I know that they're not favored in this game just because they are on the road, but again, they've proven they're they won't blink on the road. They've proven they can get off to a hot start. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, their only problem is taking their foot off the gas when they've been ahead. So I think this team has just kind of built confidence in themselves throughout the season. And I think that doesn't stop here. So give me Texas State winning, covering. But I do think I'm going to take the over on the points here, as I commonly will do against a Texas State team against that's going against a Louisiana team that can run up the score as well with that rushing attack. I'll start with saying that, you know, I feel like this game's going to live up to the offensive hype. I think we're going over the 67 easily in this contest, but I am going to take Texas State much like you, Caden. They've got a more experienced quarterback in TJ Finley. I like their wide receiver core a bit better in this game. I think it's going to be a close one, a shootout style game that Texas State comes out on top. Well, Caden, let's move on to Marshall at NC State. This game at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on the CW Network. When's the last time you've heard that said? Uh, just the sixth matchup ever between these two programs. Three times in the early 90s, back-to-back -back games in 2017 and 2018. NC State's never lost. They're a perfect 4-0 at Carter-Finley. The Herd, one of 
22 undefeated teams left at the FBS level. When you look at this game, Kate, in the biggest matchup I'm watching out for, it's NC State's front seven versus Marshall's rushing attack, headlined by Camp Bancher and Rashina Lee. How does Marshall handle early downs? I think that's going to be huge in this one. They average 4.3 yards per carry. Bancher and Ali are responsible for 637 yards rushing. Why do you say that's so important right now, Kate? It's because NC State holds opponents to 29.7% on third down, 14th best in the country. You're not going to be able to get behind the sticks against this Wolfpack side, Cato. Yeah, I think this is going to be a definitely interesting matchup in the trenches. We know Marshall's bread and butter is their rushing attack, which has punished teams all season and been very good to them. Rasheen has been amazing at scoring the ball at least twice a game, and they've been running kind of that slow cook offense all year. And I think this is really interesting. Noah Marshall actually ranks third to last in rushing attempts in the conference this season, but they also rank third to last in pass attempts. So, I mean, they don't run that many plays. They're eating up the clock. They're controlling the game. They rank fourth in the nation right now in time of procession. So I think that contrast of style going up against an NC State front that's known to stop the run. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they maybe have to have a sense of urgency or they can continue doing this slow approach as far as their methodical offensive tack and run game. I think NC State's defense, their front seven, has talent all over the place. They have an all-conference level linebacker and a couple other spots as well. And they've been holding teams to under 100 a game. And I think Marshall has done that every single game this year. So something's going to have to give NC State's last game their top in their last game, their top, like, or their last three games, sorry, their top rushers have been held under 50 yards in all of those. But I think when you saw them play a Notre Dame team, they were a team that was able to get the best of them. And they're very similar to Rush Marshall as far as how they want to run the ball. And the other time they had a 100 yard rusher against them was week one in UConn. And I think Cam Fancher also has some of those capabilities as well. So when you look at it, some of the stuff that's ha- that has been effective against this defense in the run game in the past. Marshall has some of those qualities to their offense as well. So very curious to see if we maybe have to lean on more Cam Fancher. He's coming off of a 100-yard game. Maybe they need more of him to keep this defense on his toes. Maybe Rashid Ali has to get going a little bit earlier than usual just because of the defensive front they're playing and get him to 100 yards like we're accustomed to seeing. So very interested to see this battle up front, and I think it's going to be a lot of chess and checkers between these two coaches. Interesting as well, Sean Brown, who's one of the key pieces on that NC State defense, he had a targeting penalty in his last game. It was upheld by the NCAA, so he's going to miss the first half in this game. I think that's a big loss. Caden, uh, fifth straight game with two touchdowns for Rasheen Ali. Is it happening? If this team gets within the 20-yard line, Rasheen Ali is going to score. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that one. This team, they love handing the ball in the red zone. We saw that electric season he had his freshman year. He was just getting fed and fed and fed in the red zone, and I definitely don't think that stops against probably one of their toughest battles this season. Another big interesting component to this matchup is NC State bench to UVA transfer Brennan Armstrong ahead of this game. They're going to sophomore MJ Morris. Did have a couple of good games a year ago against Virginia Tech and Wake Forest, but he's making his season debut. What does this mean, Caden, for that Marshall defense? I think it's huge for this defense. MJ Morris getting his first career start or his first start of the season and this style of, of offense having to kind of be put on him. I think it kind of benefits NC State as far as Marshall now doesn't have film on this guy. They have to go back and watch film from last year and they have a new offensive coordinator. So some of that film from a schematic standpoint is going to leave Marshall behind the eight ball a little bit. Morris was supposed to redshirt this year behind Brennan Armstrong. He was supposed to sit back and kind of learn from a veteran how to run this offensive system and get reinserted. And I think to me, that was kind of a 
a point of them believing in him as a bright future star, as a young quarterback who could just sit back, maybe learn from a veteran, and then really capitalize and jumpstart his career. But after Brendan Armstrong wasn't playing well for this team, throwing more interceptions and touchdown passes, David Dorn's looking to Morris to kind of invigorate this offense, kind of give them a spark. And I think that's going to have him be really excited and eager to get after this team. He led this team to two wins last year after there was an injury to Devin Leary. He had three touchdowns and no picks in each of those games, but he got hurt and couldn't finish the season. So he showed in his small sample size that he's a very talented quarterback. So Marshall fans do not get it twisted. You're not playing some slouch backup. You're paying a guy, you're playing a guy that's specifically getting inserted into this offense and getting handed the keys of this offense to really jumpstart it and get things going. I think his legs are even better than a guy like Kyron Drones we saw in the Virginia Tech game. And I think Marshall's defense had some problems with that aspect of that quarterback. So I think that's something that would worry me as well. And their secondary has been playing lights out this year. So it's kind of a coin flip with their completion percentage right now. They're holding teams to 51%. So that's kind of where I think they can give MJ Moore some problems. But very interested to see how this young quarterback who has a lot of excitement around him, has a lot of exciting play in the past, can translate that into new offense versus a defense that's known to be very stingy. Marshall going for their second Power 5 win of the season. NC State, seven-point favorite over under at 46. Okay, now I'm going to take the lead here. Uh, I've got Marshall, you know, they they downed one Power 5 opponent this year. I think they're going to take down another this weekend. Marshall has their formula, and NC State just changed theirs. Look for Marshall's defense to have a big day responding after last week. Marshall stays undefeated. I'm going to take the under on the points, though, at 46. Yeah, unfortunately, I think if Brennan Armstrong was playing this game, I would favor Marshall more. But I think David Dorn's a great coach, and I think he's making the right move here. And what I've seen from MJ Morris in the past does scare me, and I think his legs do impose a threat to Marshall that they might not be able to account for. So I do think that NC State's going to win this game. I think Marshall can keep it close and they'll cover. I'm going to take the over on points as well because I think both teams are going to have to get over 20 in this game. I think Marshall's going to be able to run the ball well and do what they have to do. I think MJ Morris is going to do the same with his legs, but I'll take the over on the points on this one. But unfortunately, can't have Marshall winning in this big moment. Hey there, Sunbelt fans. Are you ready to score big with an unforgettable getaway to the heart of Louisiana's Cajun and Creole country? Look no further than Lafayette, Louisiana, your ultimate destination for football, fun, and fantastic memories. Immerse yourself in Lafayette's vibrant culture. Savor the mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and cheer on your favorite Sunbelt team. Visit Lafayette, Louisiana, where every day is a touchdown celebration. Head to LafayetteTravel.com slash Smith to start planning your ultimate Sunbelt football getaway. Troy versus Arkansas State, in our third matchup, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. The 20th meeting in this series history, A-State currently holding an 11-8 advantage. Troy, though, has won three of the last four, and some of Troy's biggest wins over the last couple seasons have come against Arkansas State. They clinched the 2017 Sunbelt Championship against the Red Wolves. They won last year in the final week of the year to secure their berth in that Sunbelt Championship game. Troy, though, hasn't won at Veterans Memorial Stadium against Arkansas State since 2010. They're 0-3 there during that span, 2-5 all time. Let's start with talking about Jalen Rayner. He comes with a ton of hype. Everyone's talking about him this week. I've seen him on ESPN, all sorts of different outlets. After he threw six touchdowns versus UMass, he joined names like Herbert, Williams, Mahomes uh, with that performance. 12 touchdowns. In his first three games, two starts, nearly 900 yards of total offense. 
I have a feeling, though, Caden, this one could prove to be a reality check for the young freshman facing one of the best defenses in the Sun Belt. How are you expecting him to fare? I, I don't know what to expect, but I'm definitely expecting that we can see flashes, at least, of what we've seen throughout this season. We gave Jalen Rayner his flowers on this podcast for just having an absolutely dazzling start to his career, being a big surprise at the position in this conference. I mean, he lights up Southern Miss with his arm and his legs. And versus a UMass team who, let's be honest, is not very good, he did what great quarterbacks are supposed to do, which is play efficient. And I think the fact that he said, like, hey, I know I was running all cool. I was running all over Southern Miss. That was fine. Let me just sit in the pocket. Let me get more touchdowns and incompletions in this game with six on the day and throw no interception. Just be absolutely efficient and dice this dice this defense, of up, defense up was just great to watch. And I think this defense, on the other hand, is a very different animal. This is the defense that literally carried their team the conference championship last season is fresh off of chewing up and spitting out of Georgia State offense on the road that we felt very highly of. So the big question is going to be how does Jalen Rayner fare in this one? I think the biggest X factor as far as him lining up against this defense is going to be that pass rush. This has been an uncharacteristically bad pass rushing year or start to the season for Troy, just given how much firepower they have up front. We were talking all offseason about how many edge rushers and how much talent they had on their defensive line. But right now they're tied for the worst in the conference in sacks with six along with Coastal Carolina. So they've been able to apply pressure, but they haven't necessarily been able to get home on that pressure. And Rainer is a slippery guy. He only got sacked once last week. And that's because even when you think you've got him, you'll blink and he'll be gone out of there running the ball or throwing the ball out of the pocket. So I think that kind of leans into his style as far as a team that hasn't been able to get home on blitzes. He may, might be able to evade some stuff and really turn some some plays that might look like he's down bad into first downs where you're moving the chain. So very curious to see how he plays in his big test against the best defense he's faced and just super excited to see if he can keep us going. Hey, Rayner has certainly made things a little bit easier on this Arkansas State defense that's giving up 36.4 points per game, 10th in the Sun Belt right now. Troy's offense is averaging 26 points per game through five games. Gunnar Watson has been much improved. Kamani Vidal is Kamani Vidal. The wide receiver core, Caden, has looked impressive. I don't feel like we've seen the full potential of this Troy offense. Is this the game we see it? Hopefully it is. I've been singing the praises of Gunnar Watson on this podcast for his improvement he's shown this season. But if you haven't seen him play and you're just looking at the numbers, you probably wouldn't be as impressed. You see nine touchdowns. You see four interceptions. There's nothing really crazy. But a lot of that has to do with, one, the competition this team has faced. I mean, you look at those losses. And two, you look at their heavy dosage and use of Kamani Vidal. I mean, this is a guy who's nationally up there as far as rushing yards per game. And I think this is now an opportunity for Gunnar Watson in this offense versus a defense that allows 434 yards per game and 36 points, like you mentioned, to operate and kind of let some of those stats maybe do the talking and back up how actually good they are and maybe boost some of those numbers and really look the best they've looked since week one versus Stephen F. Austin. So I think they just have more talent across the board than the defense they're facing. And I think as far as their personnel, their play calling and the confidence of their quarterback right now, they should be able to operate very freely and smoothly in this game. The question is, can they just do it? Can we see it? Can we not see as many close games as we've been seeing against tough competition? Can we see this offense kind of get fully unlocked? Kind of similar to we saw Jalen Rayner honestly do last week against a UMass team. Hey, perhaps an opportunity for a statement win for the Trojans. Troy, a 17-point favorite over-under Sitting at 53, Caden, how are you leaning? I think statement win is the perfect way to describe it, and I think Troy's going to have a statement win here. I think they're going to win and cover. I know Jalen Rayner's a very interesting and intriguing quarterback that can keep this game close. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely proven that he has that kind of a difference. 
But I do think, as I mentioned before, this Troy offense knows they're really good. And I think they even look at some of the stats and say, this, these stats don't even reflect how good we are. So I think they're going to try to make a statement in this one as an offense really puts some points up. So I'm actually going to take the over on the points as well. I think as far as how much help they get from their defense, they're going to have their hands full with this freshman quarterback. But there's also a world where they just completely overwhelm him and show that he's not maybe what he thought he was going up against a defense with a stature. So give me Troy to win cover and I'll take the over on the points. Darren Granger, who's been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the Sun Belt, was largely shut down last week by this Troy defense. Caden, I think it's going to be a similar story this week. Troy's going to slow down Jalen Rayner and that A-State offense. Troy, I've got them winning this game. It'll be their first home game win against Arkansas State since 2010. But there's a catch here. Arkansas State covers in this game. 17's a bit high for me. I'm not sold on Troy having that huge offensive performance. So, I'm also going to take the under on this game. So in the exact opposite uh, direction of you on this pick. Southern Miss Old Dominion, Caden, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus, 13 versus 14 in our power rankings. ODU is still searching for their first road win of the year. USM is still searching for any form of momentum at this point. Will Hall promised changes. He wouldn't announce what. We have seen that the offensive line is going to look tremendously different this year. All-time series between these two programs tied at one. Both teams have won at home. And interesting point here, both of the winning teams in those games have each scored over 50 points. Let's talk Southern Miss. A lot of negativity around this program right now. Some in the fan base have soured a bit on Will Hall. Uh, no, you know, Ultimately, Caden, do you know what solves those types of issues it's winning and more particularly getting off to a fast start in in football games they've outscored they've been outscored 42 to 10 in the first half last week versus Texas State outscored by 50 points in the first half this year Kanan we've seen them have success in second halves and in lower pressure situations how do they get off to a faster start I don't know how, but they have to figure it out soon. This is low-key a huge game, in my opinion, for Southern Miss. If they lose this one, they essentially have to win out to go to a bowl game. And with Mississippi State still on their schedule, they pretty much you can just chalk that up probably as a loss. They'll have to run the table in the conference. And the fact that they have to go to App State, they have to go to South Alabama and end the year against Troy, I think that's just very hard and unrealistic to see. Even if they completely turn things around in this game, it'll look like a completely different ball club going against another team in the conference that's kind of at that bottom four level in our power rankings but they're going to have to start fast. They got outscored 28 to three in the first quarter last week. They got the same thing happened the week before against the Arkansas state team that we weren't expecting to be all of that. And turns out they have a freshman star quarterback that can light things up, but kudos again to this team for having a 20 point fourth quarter last week and going on to a 17 0 run in the second half the week before. But can you start the game like that? They just need to, this team wants to figure out what to do. Just look at what you do in these small doses when you're down and implement them in the beginning of the game. I think it's pretty simple. Granted, as a defensive player, I've played in games where you're up a ton of points and it definitely puts the offense in a position where they can kind of really open things and unlock things. But this offensive coordinator and this entire offense as a whole has to find a way to kind of channel that stuff early. You have to get Frank Gore Jr. going early, which is a tall task given this ODU defense had just held Rasheen Ali to his worst day on the ground during the entire season. They have to get Jones, Mims, and Caston going early. You have to find a guy like Billy Wilds, put some confidence in him, and kind of tell him, hey, to start off this game, act like we're down. Act like we need to come back, be aggressive, throw the ball downfield. I think this offense just kind of doesn't have the right mindset until a team punches him in the mouth. I think they just have to mentally come into this game wanting to throw the first punch. 
and I won't even get too much into the nasty bunch, but they've been nasty to watch lately. They dropped down to the third worst scoring defense in the nation, giving up 39 a game. That's just terrible. And it's not giving their offense any favor. So they need to start this game and end this game fast. They have a little bit different of an assignment than this offense, but they need help from their defense. They need help from anywhere they can get it right now. And hopefully they can start this game off faster or else things might get a little unsettling in Hattiesburg. We said on Monday's recap that when you look at ODU, this offense, it's been a quandary this year. No one's quite understood what we're seeing. They've shown the ability to be a prolific passing team, 324 yards through the air versus Texas A&M Commerce. They've also shown the ability to rack up yards on the ground, 339 yards on the ground last week. But, Caden, we're all wondering at this point what we're going to see on Saturdays. Yeah, if people ask me what my favorite team to watch is in the Sun Belt, I'm not going to say Old Dominion is the first team. I'm not going to go that far. But as far as the entertainment value of not knowing what to expect any given time you watch this team, it's much CTV, must see TV in my opinion. They stay unpredictable, and I'm very excited to see how this offense plays. Grant Wilson's out of the lineup now after throwing three picks against Texas A&M Commerce. Now Jake Shields is running the show. He helped this team hang up 35 points on Marshall, mainly because he had a nice 60-yard touchdown run. He didn't throw the ball particularly well. He threw pick three picks in this game himself. So maybe do we see another quarterback? You don't know. It's Old Dominion. You'll never know what you're going to get. Kadarius Callaway, obviously went bonkers last week, running all over Marshall's defense. So just very curious to see what they throw at this Southern Miss defense. And I think when you look at kind of their unpredictability, I think that's really what caught the Southern Miss team off guard when they played Jalen Rayner. They didn't know what to expect at the quarterback position there. And as a result, they got diced. Then you see last week, they knew what to expect from Texas State, and they still got diced up in the beginning of this game. So I think kind of the ball's in Old Dominion's court as far as, hey, this team hasn't really shown as a defense. They know what to handle on the fly, and I think they can throw a game plan at them. They have a lot of film to watch, and they've seen games where this team has thrown a bunch of the ball a bunch. They've seen this film where this team runs the ball a bunch. So I think their unpredictability and kind of some of the question marks and how you don't know how they're going to approach things is kind of their biggest strength right now. And I think they have the chance to kind of put this Southern Miss team on the ropes early, kind of like we've seen in past games. Hey, worst case, if your old Dominion Shields doesn't play well, maybe Wilson gets in, he doesn't play well, you could always turn to the super back. I mean, at this point, I mean, put Callaway in there. Current line on this game, Southern Miss, a one and a half point favorite over under at 58 and a half. Caden, this might be the hardest game we've had to pick all year long because I really have no idea on this one. I don't really have faith in either offense. At least we know half of ODU's offense is going to show up in this game. Uh, Give me ODU to down Southern Miss, but I am going to take the under on the points at 58 and a half. Yeah, no, I'm also not super confident in this, but I am confident in the unpredictability of Old Dominion. I think it's their best strength right now. I think they're going to lean into that strength, and I don't think Southern Miss is going to know what's coming. I think as far as the highs and lows we've seen of these teams, I think Old Dominion has some higher highs. Obviously, the running game they had last week, obviously the passing game they had against Louisiana. So I think those high highs are why I'm picking them to win this game versus some of the very low lows we've seen from this Old Dominion team where they're just getting scored all over the place and their offense looks super stagnant. So give me Old Dominion to win this one, which means they cover not being favored. And I'll take the over on the points. I mean, that's that's the biggest question mark is which defense and offense is going to show up in this game, how many points are going to get scored. I'll just lean towards the over given that it's 58 and a half. ULM South Alabama at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. This has been a back and forth battle in this matchup all time. But, Caden, the burning question on my mind, can South Alabama figure this thing out? Is ULM legit? South Alabama 2-3 and three after five games. ULM 2-2 two and two coming off that 41-40 to 40 loss to App State. Both are 0-1 in Sunbelt Conference play. And, you know, I don't think at this point we really imagined the starts that both of these teams have had this year. 
Yeah, Southern Miss fans, I'm not just picking on y'all. I also think this is a must-win game for South Alabama. When you're a team as talented as they are, you simply cannot lose three games in a row, especially to an opponent that's in the bottom four of our rankings. As I mentioned in the recap last week, South Alabama just has to be focusing on themselves right now more than their opponents. They've been... They've just been inconsistent this year. They have to worry about themselves. They have to water their own grass. They have to tend to their own garden right now. I think when you have all of your bases covered as a team, when you're playing consistent and you're playing effective, that's when you can kind of really lock in on your opponent and kind of revert to the rest of your training and what you've done the entire year to shine. But when you have so much inconsistency like South Alabama, the opponent's not the issue. The issue is what you have going on in your own house. Hopefully they've been going over all the mistakes they've been making on both sides of the ball on air, kind of by themselves, watching the film, kind of getting into that small, detailed work that separates teams from good to great, because we thought this team had all the makings of a great team and have shown that they're kind of just a good team, depending on how they're going to show up quarter to quarter, offense to defense. Can they bounce back on the ground after being stonewalled by James Madison? Can their defense, that's very talented, play four quarters of detailed and disciplined football? And can Carter Bradley get help from everyone around him? The offensive line needs to protect him. Wide receivers need to get separation and make do on those big plays. We just have to see this team kind of live up to what they're fully capable of. And for ULM, it's really, can they rekindle their magic? We'll talk more about their offense here coming up. But I do think despite the fact that they've been playing in a lot of close games this year, they've kind of impressed as far as their competitiveness, which is something you really can't say too much about with South Alabama. So this team, I think, is not going to lay down for anybody. We saw that last week against App State. We saw that early in the season against lesser competition. So I think it's going to be about can ULM kind of rekindle some of that magic we saw last week against a team who's still clearly still figuring stuff out on their own side. The biggest matchup to watch in this one, it feels like it's South Alabama's secondary versus ULM's wide receivers. South Alabama's secondary, Caden, we've talked about it already this year. They have massively underperformed. 245 yards per game given up through the air, just three interceptions, which is currently tied for last in the conference. They've looked lost at times this year. They've given up some big plays through the air. They're going to be facing a Tyrone Howell-led core who had three touchdowns last week against App. He's the headliner, but this is not a great unit for ULM. Just 138.3 yards per game through the air this year. It feels like this is a huge opportunity for South Alabama's secondary to right the ship. Yeah, it's a very interesting matchup because, like I mentioned on the preview, this ULM offense is literally and still is the worst passing offense and the worst scoring offense in the league. But they did not look like that last week when they were playing Appalachian State. They had 268 through the ar- yards through the air, like you mentioned. Jaya Wright had four touchdown passes. Three of those went to Tyrone Howell and then one to Darian Wiley, who had an amazing day. Those two Big body targets seemingly caught every single 50-50 pass that was thrown up to them on the evening. And I feel like those kind of plays scare teams. Those are the kind of plays that don't take long to block for. Your quarterback just takes a little quick hitch, throws the ball up to their best guy. And if your guys are coming down with the ball more often than not, that's something that can instill fear in a defense. Those wide receivers are coming off of a good day. And the secondary for South Alabama has been coming off of not only a disappointing day against James Madison, but just a disappointing season relative to the talent they possess. Coming into the year, I was saying that this team may have too many good players in the secondary, and now they're just a middle-of-the-pack unit, giving up 245 yards in the air per game. I think that on a weekly basis, you just see them giving up explosive plays and deep plays downfield. I think this is going to be a huge matchup. ULM showed that if we're going to be able to stay in games and hang with teams that are more talented than us, we're going to be able to do it through our wide receivers. We've seen kind of the flip side of that with South Alabama when their defense has looked its worst this year. It's when quarterbacks are able to drop back, have double moves and different things of that nature on the outside kind of go over their head. You can just close your eyes and picture Michael Pratt deep ball touchdown. You can picture 
JM, JMU's quarterback throwing deep ball touchdown. You can see McLeod and all of these quarterbacks have had success in that area. So I think the question is going to be if those things get out of hand. If Tyron Howell gets going, are they going to put Yam Banks on him? Can Marquise Robinson bounce back after getting beat deep on a double move last week? I think ULM can keep this game close if their wideouts can deliver. So I think that's going to be a crucial matchup and something that they'll lean into, especially watching film and seeing other teams have other deep passing and shot plays that they can work off of. I'm sure they've added some of that and baked some of that into their playbook as well. South Alabama, 12-point favorite in this game, over-under sitting at 52. And the big question, can South Alabama respond to adversity? They're still the team uh, that beat Oklahoma State just a couple weeks ago. ULM, though, has never lost to South Alabama at home. None of those games have been within a touchdown. Caden, in my opinion, all that changes this week. I've got South Alabama winning this game, but I do have ULM covering in this game. I think 12 is kind of a scary line. Give me the over on the points at 52. Yeah, definitely not a bad idea taking the the, the cover ULM covering in this one just because this game even last year was 41 to 34. So I think ULM definitely has the capabilities to keep this game close. And they showed it last week. But I think South Alabama, this is probably the last time I'm going to say this. Hopefully they come through for me on this one. This is a statement and must win game for them, like I said. So I think they're going to win this one and cover, win by two touchdowns and hopefully get to that peak, get to that point closer to that area where we see them playing championship football. I'm going to take the over on points as well. I do think that their defense might be able to give up some big plays in this, but I think their offense is ultimately going to make do on some bigger plays. We saw App State really dice up this defense and operate with Joey Aguilar at the helm and those those weapons they have. And you could say that South Alabama has some great weapons as well for themselves. So I think they're going to win this one. I think they're going to cover. I'm going to take the over on the points and maybe a high-scoring affair like we saw last year. Well, that will do it for our week six preview presented by Lafayette Travel. Caden and I can't wait to enjoy some more Sunbelt football this weekend. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're going to be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our week six weekend recap. We'll recap all of this weekend's biggest games and keep you up to date on all the key Sunbelt storylines. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.